Welcome to Your Family and Your Retirement with Abe Ashton. Thank you to our military men and women who serve this great country. And right now we're especially grateful for hospital workers, care workers, doctors, nurses, EMTs. And we're also grateful for our law enforcement, those who put on a badge and try to keep the peace. And we've got to talk about it, Kristen. We were talking about it before the show and you're nervous. You know why I'm nervous is because I am genuinely affected by this. I'm losing sleep. I... I just don't even know what to say, too. There's that. Well, let's start out by letting our listeners know that you're not here in the studio with me today. You're still back watching over Mama and Papa. Mm-hmm. In Charleston, All the South way Carolina. in Charleston, South Carolina, on the other side of the world. Still a relatively <laughs> small community. Yeah, it really right? is. I mean, it's very similar to our size here in southern Utah as far as demographic and size. We but might be a little bit bigger in Charleston. You are a little bit bigger. I'm not saying we're exactly the same size, but it's still but not the biggest But you could go to the grocery store and, and know each other and that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, you yes. bump into people you know. So we're about 150,000 now in Washington mm-hmm. County or so, and, and you guys are probably twice that in Charleston, I think. I mean, who knows the stats knows? on their city? It changes, well, who it changes every day. It, it, okay, doesn't that part doesn't matter? But you are dealing with riots. You told me you got a curfew last night. Yes, they've done curfews. The National Guard has been walking around downtown Charleston. It's one of many cities around our country that has been affected by the group of people that I believe in my heart, Abe, are not really at the rallies. The folks that are at rallies, I think that they are peaceful people that just want to be heard. Right. And those happen in daylight. But as soon as the sun goes down, there's a completely different tone and almost a completely different group of people out that are not doing this with love and hope in their hearts. Yeah, and I I believe that. And, And we here in southern Utah, it's almost as if we kind of watch things like this as they occur through a window. We are so far removed from it. Yes, we see the videos, we see the destruction, we see things as they're happening on social media and the news channels and things, but but until it's in your neighborhood, until someone tells mm-hmm. you you can't go out this evening because right. and not because of a pandemic, not because of coronavirus. Oh, right? that's this still is, happening, but don't, that's be- not why. <laughs> right, but this is about your personal safety. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't think you can totally appreciate it unless you're doing what you're doing, Kristen, which is living through it. And I've not been sleeping well. Our producer, Doug, is in Atlanta, Georgia, because he does a great job producing the show from afar. He is having the same issue because this is happening in downtown Atlanta as well. But here in Charleston, it is very different because, like you said, we're a quiet town. And it's turned into a busy city, but it still has that town appeal. I mean, I remember, Abe, I want to say it was five years ago When I'm not even going to say the guy's name because I hate giving people like that attention. In 2015, the Mother Emanuel AME Church downtown, which, by the way, is the oldest African-American Methodist Episcopal Church in the southern United States. Lots of history there. And by the way, Charleston is the holy city. Lots of religion around town. (laughs) Right, right. That man went in and did something very evil, targeted a group of people that were having Bible study, for goodness sakes. It was an awful event. Nine people died, and I remember being in town to visit my folks the week after that, and the vibe in this city was amazingly, even from the people that were affected from this church, forgiveness, hope, standing together, helping each other. It doesn't feel that way right now, and I don't know what to do. What an interesting contrast that is. 
and again, my wife and I were talking about this just the other day. You know, what what do you do? We've watched some some different social media um, soundbite, or we've listened to different soundbites and watched some different videos, even for people of all different races. And and I had an interesting occurrence in when one of my last trainings as a as a reserve police officer in Southern Utah. Um, it's been over a year or two ago where I had to do a a racial bias training and had to go through and and go through this testing and and to see what level, if any, of racial bias I have. And and so I went into this thing kind of puffed up like, no, I know me and I'm clearly not biased, you know, and and so, but I, but I decided that I would answer the questions all 100% candidly and Mm -hmm. honestly, because uh, what would be the point otherwise? And also because I had this sick confidence that I'm not a, I'm not a racist and I, and I don't feel certain things. And, but after we got the results and I, and I went and looked at my results, um, it definitely didn't say that I'm a racist, but it did confirm that I have some racial bias as I think most people do. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that everybody does, but, but most no. people do. We are most comfortable with in life. It doesn't matter if it's finding a doctor or being at a restaurant or a financial advisor, working with someone that we are most alike. That can mean man, woman, creed, color, religion. That just how it is. It doesn't right. mean that you mean it negatively. It's just what you're used to. Right. right? My, or- like my wife, what she was saying just last night, she said, if none of this is intended to demean or to lessen the sincere feelings that so many people have, mm-hmm. especially in the African-American com- oh community. Feelings we can't understand as two white people. Yeah, because you and I, we have never been pulled over by a police officer and had to ask ourselves, oh, no, is this just because mm-hmm. of the color of my skin or, oh, no, how badly is this going to go or, oh, no. Is this one of those, in quote, air quotes, that people can't see one of those kinds of cops? Because Mm -hmm. there are, in quotations, those kind of cops. But they are definitely not the majority, in my my humble opinion. But there are those out there. I would say that there is some of an ego trip that comes with all law enforcement. Any regulatory, any governing body, any politician, anybody who, who has a role where they are either speaking for others or in charge of others, there is definitely an ego rub that comes with that. And for sure. every single cop that you, you tell them how to do their job, their first instinct is going to be to puff up their chest and, and nine times out of 10, it's gonna go badly for you, right? We, we appreciate that. But because I've never been on the other side of those flashing red and blue lights worrying about that, I cannot appreciate it. And mm-hmm. my wife said, well, Abe, when I, when I walk down the street and if I'm alone and it's a certain type of man walking one way, I don't make eye contact and I walk a little more briskly and create a little bit of space and, and different than it would be for a woman hmm. who is walking the other way coming a different direction. And I also feel differently based off of how somebody is dressed Mm-hmm. Based off of you know all the future experience, all, all the past experiences, mm-hmm. right? That create that, and so we were talking about well, what what do we do to be a part of a solution? Yeah, because there is a problem. Oh, there, it's obvious. There, there is a problem, and and I'm not going to say there's not. Well, I watched Candace Owens the other day, and she was testifying before Congress, and she did a great job just kind of addressing her thoughts as as a black woman in America, mm-hmm. um, as she as she said. And there were three Caucasian women women there that were trying to tell her what the statistics and the studies mm. show and how how big of a problem 
white supremacy is in the country and in Canada's almost saying not it's not even in the top 100 that's not the biggest issue hmm. she did a great job articulating her perspective and we all are entitled to have our own right but I am not one of those who's going to go on social media and say I understand and 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 be able to whether it's raise a fist in the air or 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 to be able to change anyone else's world except for my own individual thoughts, the way I view things and try to be open-minded and try to get rid of any bias in personally and recognize that I have some bias. And then also was to sit down and talk with our kids. My I wife was and I said, gonna ask you that because everything is all over social media. In fact, that's where most of these videos are coming from, how we're finding out this news. How do you go about that? Well, we sit down with our kids and I talk to them about it. And I actually said, this is what is happening here from your dad's perspective, right? Which, and again, explain to them the same thing I just said out loud, that there's some things that you kids, my kids will never be able to appreciate. Now, that being said, I was in my elementary school the only fair-skinned person in my entire class. Because you were in Hawaii when you were a young child. Right, and I grew up in this small town in Hawaii that was predominantly Polynesian. There was Mm -hmm. Asians, but there were were not very many Howleys in my class. Mm. All right, so are white people in my class. I was going to say, I don't even know what that means. Howley is a white person in Hawaii. And and I was on my own. I had some brothers in the school. But I I do remember feeling like, okay, I stand out. I'm different. And Mm -hmm. I don't have the cousins. And and I definitely got my lickings in on the the playground a few times when I didn't have quite the support and I felt like the odd man out. And again, even saying that out loud, somebody would say, you can't even say that. Like, that doesn't doesn't even relate. It doesn't even... Relate, But you know what? We've all been in situations where you feel like an outsider. Mm -hmm. And to minimize my individual experience or your individual experience, whether it's as a woman, whether it's because of a religion that you practice, whether it's because whatever you feel like an outsider, it can only give you the experience that it gives to you. And it's no... It's no more appropriate for anyone to say, no, yours are invalid, because right. they all are what make us up as our individuals. They're all what create our own individual biases, our own concerns, our own experiences, our own worries, right? It's, it creates who we are. Mm-hmm. But if there's any way to solve the problem, it is going to be starting with the youth, starting with our sons and our daughters and trying the very best we can to tell them and to show them that it is that is different. And so when somebody asked in my family, when one of the kids said, well, dad, why would that be okay? How come this police officer is still kneeling on his neck when he's saying he can't breathe? Mm-hmm. You know, when they're I can't, asking- I, I'm, That video disturbs me so much, Abe. When they're asking those questions, and again, there was a white police officer there on the ground who actually had his knee on the neck. There was a, an African-American, there was an Asian, and there was, a, I think, a Mexican or Latin American police officer. So there was great diversity amongst those four police officers there. Mm-hmm. It definitely, You can definitely see it was the white cop who had his knee on his neck. And you can definitely hear the gentleman saying, I can't breathe. Right. Right. And, you know, was he kicking around in the car? Is there any justification for getting murdered by a police officer? Absolutely not. Uh -uh. But over the course of that police officer's experience, at some point, because of however, I don't know the statistics, right? Of I know I, I know crime statistics, and I don't know the statistics of that city or that community, but over his career, did he get to a point where he responded to so many calls 
where he was more frequently dealing with a particular race than another race, that in his mind, did he start classifying certain people, a certain mm-hmm. color, a certain type of person as more likely to be a troublemaker and to be somehow less human hmm. and less an individual, my thought would be yes. He had to at some point because I cannot see him kneeling on his white grandmother's neck the same way, doing the same thing to that person. Now, you're not taking up for him, right? Standing up for the cop? Absolutely not. I think he's going to go to jail for murder, and I think he deserves it. I but think he how deserves it. Every how second. How did he get, get there is what how you're does, trying to figure out. Right. How does the law enforcement, and I think that the way somebody gets there and can be what you and I would view as so heartless mm-hmm. and so callous and so removed from the reality that we live in of what should be right and appropriate from law enforcement when we're looking at that and we're saying, how could anybody do that? What I'm saying is the only way I can even try to come to some understanding, and there's a big difference between understanding and rationalizing, because I'm definitely not rationalizing, but to come to some understanding is that over a career, in my mind, that person has to view that as less a person, Mm. and more of just one more of these troublemakers, one more of, Mm. of these guys, or these women, or these, and again, would this guy pass a lie detector test the day before when asked whether or not he is a racist? He probably would pass a lie detector test the day before saying he's not a racist. But has his experience as law enforcement to that point created such a bias or such a detachment where a category or a color or a race is less human than another? I think he absolutely had to. Otherwise, how could you do that and feel like, hey, I'm just doing my job here? I'm just doing my job and this is how we do our job. We kneel on people's necks until they're unconscious. Well, I never want to have that job if that's really the job. And it's not. That's the thing. It's not the job. Police officers, like any profession, there are some bad eggs out there. But overall, they're good guys trying to keep us safe and watch out for our families. But one thing I've taken away from all of this is that I need to shut up and listen because I can't understand what it's like, as you said, to be in a position of where that fear is in me of what could happen to myself, my spouse, my children, to know that you have to rethink the way that you live your life because you are not safe in the year 2020 because of the way some people feel out there. I just can't believe that in this day and age, this is where we are. And the fact that you're having conversations with your kids about it, that's one way we change. The other way we change, Abe, is by doing what we're doing right now, having conversations. The problem is, We don't have anyone with true perspective with us right now to add that insight to the conversation. And I'm trying to do that in my day-to-day life. Understand my friends, my family better that are different than me so that I can learn from this. Yeah. It's one of the things that we all need to do better. We've got to do less talking. And it's funny because we're radio people here, right? And you we're, and I could talk each other and, out and of And we a can room. talk all day long, but, but there's got to be uh, a, a better job listening and seeking to understand. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be listening with an intent to understand, to be able to empathize. And yet we, we do a financial show, right? We, we love to talk about retirement because it's what we do. But I was just writing an article or a, or a letter right before I jumped on the air here with you, and, and it was it was just talking about what will the 2020 decade look like and what conversations 
am I already having in starting out this 2020 decade, the kind of conversations I'm having with my kids about how the world shuts down for schools and now how the world is on fire yeah. and now how there are the riots and, and what's going on. I thought these are conversations I did not think about as we closed out the last year or right, as we got in 2019 and, and what it would look like going forward. Nor were they conversations your parents had to have with you. Right. So how can one possibly prepare to have these conversations with their kids? And I think that's kind of what you're getting at here is that you don't know the exact answer here, but talking about it is a good thing. And we must keep doing that, keep the communication open and love each other. Love is always the answer above anything else. And you definitely feel that when you walk in to see Abe and the team at Ashton and Associates. And as we wrap up today, Abe, I've got to spotlight something a little more positive because, again, this is all too much. We've yeah. got a pandemic. Things are on fire. People are being hurt and killed. So let's look at the bright side of something that's happened during some truly rough weeks around our country. My favorite positive thing that's occurred since everything got crazy in February is that for the first time ever, the Humane Society around America, they ran out of dogs and cats to adopt as people were looking for love and cleaned them out. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we're going to talk about this because we ended up with a four-cat family. It's what? bad enough that I've got a dog. My <laughs> wife has been rescuing kittens, and I'm thinking, oh, what, how much poop <laughs> can one family deal with? And little <laughs> rascals running all over. I have six kids. Oh my gosh. And now we've got four cats and a dog. And I'm thinking, yes, I will be volunteering to restock the Humane Society. I will, <laughs> My fill, them, I will fill them back up. I've got a couple cats, right, a couple kittens right now. My, my wife is just a softie for kittens, and we have got great, a great dog. And, and now she's got her emotional support cat that she just loves uh, named Luna. Are we being for real there? I am being dead. Like, is well, there paperwork? <laughs> That's what I'm asking about. Can it go on an airplane as a certified? No, but oh, should goodness. it be able to? Yes. I was going to say, don't be she, those people. Should it be, should be able to go <laughs> take the cat. And here's our gerbil that is the emotional pet gerbil. <laughs> you know, here, here's the funny thing. <sighs> These animals, they bring so much joy to our family, to my wife, and to our kids that I get it. I get right now. Well, just having mm -hmm. some unconditional love by a dog or a cat or your pet, I get what's going on there. And that is great news. I make, I make light of it, mm -hmm. but actually, there, and there's plenty of it, right? If we search, if you, if you turn on the news channels, you, won't find you it. think there's not a good thing going on in the entire universe. But even in the midst of all of what's going on, there are positive stories in every neighborhood, on every corner going around right now. Find out more at AshtonWealth.com. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by retirement wealth advisors.